Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. And Allen will boot and he'll flip it wide open. The man who scored all the touchdowns in the playoffs, Gabe Davis. Touchdown, Buffalo. Third and goal. Allen keeps it, pumps, runs, breaks the plane. Touchdown, Buffalo. Josh Allen took care of it himself. Four, Allen stepping up and now floating it downfield and digs it behind the secondary. Stumbles, but brings it in. Buffalo touchdown. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the I don't think I did that. I don't think I did that right. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez here from the Golden Circle at the TI. You should be here as well. A great spot to watch all the sports action. We've got some baseball coming up in a little bit. College football all night. The replay of last night's game is on here as well. So, so much to check out down here at the TI. So much to get into today as well. It is football weekend. The Raiders are back. There was football last night. The Rebels play tomorrow. Steve's on his way up to Berkeley to watch that, to cover that on the sidelines. You can uh, hear him in a little bit talk about that game, preview it a little bit. UFC tomorrow. We don't even know who's fighting. This is nuts. So much to get into today. Uh, But, again, we're down here at the TI Golden Circle. Come on down. We got some T-shirts over there. We got some stuff to give away. If you come on down and stop by and say hello to Willie. Because Willie Ramirez is here. How you doing, sir? Long time no see. Yeah, like what? Twelve hours? Thirteen hours? Whatever it was not last even. night. I don't know. It feels not like even. feels like ten minutes ago. <laughs> uh, the way this morning has gone with the chaos and craziness. We'll get into as we said. A lot of breaking news around the sports world, especially here in Las Vegas. What's crazy is real quick. What's crazy is you, you mentioned all the stuff that's going on, right? Raiders out of town, UNLV out of town. Well, I left Culture. one off on purpose. Well, no, no, no. But I'm just saying, like. But you think about it, and you have been wrapped up all morning with UFC. I just raced over here from Mandalay. Aces opened their practice, WNBA Finals. It's like even when there's not game day, it is just intense in this town. Well, just an idea of, of my world's colliding. Of Obviously, I covered UFC for a long time. I'm still going to cover the fight tomorrow before heading down to L.A. Uh, I was trying to scramble to find out what the new event was. We still don't know, so we're still trying to find out what the new main event was. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit, but uh, Hamza Shemaev this morning misses weight. Not going to fight Nate Diaz, apparently. We're probably going to have a, a redone card. Uh, maybe Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson. Find out if that gets official sometime during the show. Uh, but I was in the Raiders locker room trying to text with people from the UFC, and I remembered that Max Crosby of the Raiders is a massive Nate Diaz fan. So I walked over to Max, and I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And he didn't know, so I had to fill him in on the details. And he was actually, like, upset. Obviously not at me. He was like, man, right. what? this guy is unprofessional, you know, going on and on. But so that was, like, I was trying to balance having a conversation with Max about it yeah. uh, with also trying to break what's actually happening with the UFC event uh, and get interviews for uh, the Raiders in the locker room for a story. It's, it's a wild time. And I left off one in, uh, on purpose – 
the Aces open up the WNBA Finals this week. We're going to hear uh, a little bit more about that coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, break down the Aces series yep. uh, as they get ready to play Connecticut, host them in game one. Uh, Doug Feinberg from the AP is going to join us in a few minutes to break down that series a little bit. But, man, so much going on, Willie. And that is doesn't even include what I consider the best event of the weekend. Do you know? I'm, I'm sure I'm a little enticed. I'm a little intrigued here. What? Kendrick Lamar is at T-Mobile tonight. Is that what's going on? Yes. The cops are already out. No wonder. <laughs> I, thought, I thought they were waiting for me. I think this will be the seventh time I've gone in the last four years. We have to have a t- discussion, by the way. About because, what? Well... Because I know some music here and there, like the current stuff. Like, you know, I'm old school hip-hop, right, from my DJ days. But I have a special guest coming on tomorrow, Throw the Flag. And for the, I'm, I'm going to build the rejoin later. And I was like, hey, what's in your earbuds when you train? And, you know, what's your go-to? He said, anything hip-hop, but J. Cole, J. Cole's my go-to. I need a good J. Cole song. Interesting. So, And it's for yours and mine, all-time favorite Golden Knight locker room guy. Oh, Ryan Reeves is coming on? Yeah. Nice. Uh, that's, it, that's really interesting. I mean, I guess we're just going to do a hip-hop show now instead of sports show. Uh, <laughs> yes. I actually, this is, it's, it's kind of funny. I actually had a conversation yesterday with Tyron Johnson of the Raiders okay. about J. Cole. Wow. Okay, see? Yeah. Perfect. So we, we were just kind of talking about hip-hop in general, and he, you know, he actually was kind of breaking down. He said he prefers... Uh, he was actually making a case for Lil Wayne being the greatest rapper ever. Oh. Interesting. I, I disagree for sure. But um, he made the case like, look, this dude has made hit after hit for so long, had such a long career. Like, you can't deny what he's done and the catalog he's put together and uh, all the music that he's made and who's collaborated with all that. I said, yeah, sure. But if you're going to go longevity, like, why wouldn't Jay-Z be the number one? Like, I don't consider Jay-Z the greatest, but he's very, very up there. And he's had a long career as well. And And then we started just talking about uh how different styles are and i said look like i respect maybe no one more than j cole because of the way that he raps about real things Mm -hmm. about insecurities and you know difficulties and and it's not about not uh, it's a cliche that all rappers are about you know bragging about bling and all that stuff that's a total cliche that it's people that don't actually listen right but like j cole is real real about a lot of stuff and that's what I appreciate about him. So, like, that conversation went, he said, you know what, you're absolutely right about him. And, like, we had a conversation about J. Cole. So, uh, it comes full circle, I guess. The Raiders locker room discussions about hip-hop also tied to the show. But, yes, uh, J. Cole has a lot of good stuff where he's very introspective about a lot of issues in his life. And it's what everybody experiences, but you don't always hear it from an artist. Well, and I, I want like, his, his argument in, term, you know, in terms of longevity, I mean, you can say most successful – that doesn't mean that because because there are certain rappers with flow and and the, and they're a lyricist in how they go. See, so for me, I'm always like a lot of the new stuff. I don't I'm not I don't go to because I have all. But if I'm going in the gym, I'm going to automatically put 80s hip hop in my ears. Right. So I'm going to make a list like and if Rakim comes on, like I'm all in. You know what I mean, like Eric B and Rakim are my, uh, you know, and then you go back to where. You know, the early days of DMC and Houdini and, and just the flow where you had the two rappers and the DJ on stage. I mean, so, um, but I get it because the new school, you have to respect the new era as well. But there can be differences if you're arguing, like, if you're putting out hit after hit after hit, that just means that 
the public that liked him and they're they're successful. Well, but we're yeah, talking and, and about rappers. Because in that regard, Drake per- is the greatest of all time, which is not true. Right. So I mean, and and in that regard, when you go back, if you want to talk about rappers and if you want to talk about flow. It's very hard to leave Ice Cube off the list. And what, Sorry, and, as, a, as a writer, stop. are you stop. kidding me? Stop. LL Cool J. These are these are guys who's these are guys who's, who's different eras for sure. Eight, that's what I'm saying. For sure. I mean, Ice Cube wrote a lot of everybody's stuff. And I also, I mean, it's sacrilege because I love them both so much. Yeah. But we don't know what would have happened with like Biggie and Tupac if they would have gone oh, through phases where God. they were bad. Yeah. And then we would have hated them, but they got the. Benefit is not the right word, but they got the advantage, I suppose, of having shorter careers where, hey, we think they would have been, gone on to like this unbelievable stuff, yeah. but they could have also been doing children's movies, and we'd have been like, what? What is this? <laughs> yeah. What is this? What, what are we doing? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is what happens when Steve's gone. Uh, this, is, this is what we start talking this about. This is it. Well, this it is that's why, it's called, that's why it's called Hill and the Homies. Uh, yeah, and Ryan Reeves yesterday, as you mentioned, uh, was uh, he did a uh, Ric Flair video yesterday, which was that, yeah. uh, kind of blowing up on the internet. He's a big uh, Raider fan, by the way. That very big Raiders fan. Major. And you yeah. know what? I heard a great story today. Okay. Do we have time for this one? Yeah, we'll what, take it. I mean, what else here. are we doing? Nothing. So, <laughs> from my understanding, Ryan Reeves, one of the first years that it announced when, when y'all were still were going up there. Didn't you see him up there in Oakland? Yeah. Talked to him oh. on, the, on the field in Oakland before a game. I think it was the same day that Montel Jordan, to tie it back into, into music, did the national anthem. Was it? Wait a minute. But was it? Were you with Vinny Sapp from Channel 5? Uh, yeah, I think he was there too. Okay, because he, t- he just got done telling me the story that he looked over and he sees this big guy in a Raider jersey and, he, and he's throwing balls or something or throwing something into with fans or, and he's signing on. Or, no, he was throwing stuff in the stands. He was engaging with, with youth. And he looked over and he yelled, Ryan Reeves. And he looks over and he goes, Vin. And they, they started talking and he says, I love coming out here on the field because I got the jersey on, and those who don't know anybody, they just see my size, and yeah. they think I'm a racer. So I start signing autographs. Yeah. And then they look at it, they don't even realize. And his brother, obviously, a, a CFL player yep, Jordan, uh, as well. So, yeah, a lot to get into. As, as we mentioned, though, ton of football talk throughout the show. Obviously, breakdown, Raiders and Chargers, as uh, that will be our main focus of the week. But all the NFL games will kind of break down a little bit of uh, where we see the games going against the number, get you ready for betting this weekend obviously the best place for you to bet is down here the ti golden circle uh come hang out with us and you tomorrow with gooch yeah, in the morning come come uh, come hang out and uh, check out that show uh but wnba finals on the horizon uh before we get into a conversation uh with doug yeah what are you just preliminary thoughts on the opponent they find out last night connecticut wins on the road that's who they're playing uh, how is this? How does this series match up? It's interesting because at the start of this, at the playoffs, I would said, well, the, the the best starting lineups are Las Vegas and Connecticut. And early on in the season, when these two teams played back to back games at Michelob, um, and they split the games, Vegas put it on them in the first game, and then Connecticut came out and just stomped them in the first quarter and cruised to the win. I'd said these are the two best teams in the WNBA, and then Chicago sort of showed that defending champion mentality. Seattle was lingering around when Vegas sort of had a little bit of a lull, but we're seeing what we saw the the first third of the season with Connecticut and Las Vegas, and I and I think that they've 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 circled back around. And let me tell you, when you talk about starting lineups, they're never going to x one another out, but you have. 
uh, Asia Wilson and John Quell Jones, they've won the last three MVPs. Asia won two of the last three years. John Quell won it last year. You have Kelsey Plum and Courtney Williams, two guards, right? You have Chelsea Gray. You have Dewana Bonner. They have three rings between them. So the if they do X each other out, the key is which bench comes through. And at this point, we've seen the Aces bench really come to life with Rakona Williams and De'Erica Hamby. I, I sat with her for about five, ten minutes today after I turned the recorder off and had an interesting conversation. She's really going to try to play. She te- The minute she played against Seattle were simply to test her, her wheels, see what, if she can go. So I think the X factor comes down to which bench plays best because Connecticut's got a lively bench. For sure. And uh, we'll break down the rest of the series, find out uh, what it means in the grand scheme of things in the WNBA for this team to, to have success. And I want to find out uh, from Doug Feinberg from the Associated Press who's coming up next, how is this job that Becky Hammond has done being viewed around the league? We'll find out next. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. And they're not even going to get a shot off. This game is over. The Las Vegas Aces win. The Las Vegas Aces win. 97-92. They win the series three games to one. And the Aces advance to the WNBA Finals. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It is Cofield and Company on this Friday, Hill and his homies edition. Adam Hill and Willie Ramirez here with you at the Golden Circle at Treasure Island. Come on down, hang out. Say hello to Willie. You don't have to say hello to me if you don't want to, but I uh, got a couple of ESPN Las Vegas shirts and some Las Vegas Aces shirts as well. Come on down and check us out. Will he be here again tomorrow morning as well? And then Sunday, of course, the Raiders are in L.A. to take on the Chargers. But right here in Las Vegas at Michelob Ultra Arena, the Las Vegas Aces will open the WNBA Finals, taking on the Connecticut Sun. And we wanted to turn to Doug Feinberg, who covers the WNBA for the Associated Press, to join us to break down the series a little bit. Doug, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? We are good. We're excited. We're ready for this. And, and I want to start this off before we get into kind of the nuts and the bolts of the series by just asking, how has this job that Becky Hammond has done uh, been viewed around the WNBA? Obviously, a ton of talent is here, but they've fallen short of expectations in the past, and she's got them on the verge of finally achieving that title. You know, the, the easy answer is Becky Hammond has done what everyone thought Becky Hammond would do. She, she was a heck of a coach in the NBA, she was a heck of a player in the WNBA, and she's done a tremendous job with the Aces in her first year. I mean, well-deserved coach of the year, no question. I mean, yeah, she inherited a really good team, but sometimes that's not the easiest thing to do, and she, she did a tremendous job of making that team the best team in the WNBA in the regular season, the Commissioner's Cup champions, and now three wins away from being the first time in franchise history WNBA champion. So Be- Becky's been tremendous all season long. I mean, you, you saw her end-game execution as a coach. I mean, when they beat Seattle in Game 3, when they're down, it was a 2 with .8 seconds left. She draws an, uh, a great play-up to get a layup sent to overtime. And once you reach overtime, you knew they were winning that game. I mean, Seattle went from the highest of highs to the lowest of the lows in the span of less than a second, and it's tough to recover from that lowest of lows. So, Doug, I was out there today at practice, um, talked to – Talk to the MVP, talk to Chelsea, who's got a ring, a um, couple of the other players. 
But one of the interesting things was is that came up was about the benches, right? So you have these dynamic starting fives, but in in, in a series like this with the players that that are on this these rosters, the bench has to have an X factor where it could possibly play be the pivotal role in this series. Willie, that's a great point. I mean, Seattle or in the series against Seattle, it was so spread out the the game, time between games that Vegas was able to get away with really playing their starters more than they will be able to in the finals. I mean, I think the stat that someone threw out there in the last game is that Asia sat for four minutes the entire uh, series against Seattle. Yeah. Which I don't think she'll be able to do against uh, Connecticut because they play Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday for the first three games. And, and that's one day in between. You have a travel day thrown in there. That's can be tougher to play that same amount of time. So the benches are going to be important. Raquana Williams played great for, for Vegas in the in the semifinals. Sierra has obviously been the sixth woman of the year twice in a row um, before this season when she was starting. If she can get back to the form she was at before she got hurt, that's going to help Las Vegas have a solid bench. After the two of them, I'm not sure who else would contribute for them. Rupert's had a good season at times. But i, I got to give advantage to Connecticut with – Dejanay Carrington, Brianna Jones, who was the sixth woman of the year this year, uh, Odyssey Sims coming off the bench. I-, I think that if it's a series where you're not going to be able to play the starters for the amount of time you did the last one, advantage goes to Connecticut, and I think that may determine a game or two as far as who wins uh, the first couple games. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I had a chance to see three of those Connecticut Sun in the Athletes Unlimited with Courtney Williams, who's starting. But but Dejanay Carrington and Odyssey Sims, that late signing, that late season or mid-seasons, bringing Odyssey Sims, I mean, I don't think that a lot of people really understood or appreciated. Like, that didn't just bring on a bench player or, or an extra reserve. I mean, that's a key, those are key minutes off the bench, which she brings. Yeah, she, she's huge. I mean, she's experienced. She's a, a guard. She can pressure people, which I think will help against the Vegas guards. I mean, I don't know if she'll be guarding Chelsea Gray, who's been playing out of this world in the playoffs. I mean, she is, brings her game to another level in the postseason, and now the, the world is seeing it with what she did in that semifinals, uh, the fourth quarter she put up. So it's going to be interesting. The matchups are going to be key, I think, in the first of who's guarding who for the starters. Um, I think – Connect's a better defensive team than Seattle was, but if they're not as good offensively, that will affect things that way as well. I got a question for you two guys. Uh-oh. How exciting is Vegas right now, the city? I mean, you have the Raiders starting on Sunday. I think they're on the road this weekend. Yep. You have game one of the finals. Potentially, if it happens and they go five is it, uh, down the road, you have two teams that are potentially a lot of excitement on them. Vegas be playing a game five at home on a, I think Tuesday night a week yep. from now, but, but like just how exciting is that city with the, with no offense to the Golden Knights who had an unbelievable run obviously a couple of years ago, yep. but two teams playing pretty well or, and starting the NFL season. How how crazy is Vegas and excitement right now? Yeah, it, it's nuts, and you know obviously we saw the the momentum kind of building at Michelob Ultra Arena down the stretch as you know uh, this team was embraced more and more, and fans were getting out there and understanding how fun that atmosphere could be. Uh, out at the MUA, uh, as some people have uh, taken to calling it, uh, but now sold out for this game. And the the problem that I'm sensing right now, and it might not be a problem, but for right now it is, I'm hearing more people ask where the parade is going to be than how they're going to do in the series. And that could be a little <laughs> bit getting ahead of themselves. Yeah. 
It could be, and, 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 and you know, because here's the thing. This is this is their second time in the WNBA Finals in the past couple of years, but and even with a lot of the players, Kelsey Plum didn't play, Derricka Hamby didn't play in those. It was a different run system where Connecticut has that experience. Dewana has a couple of rings. Um, neither one have won a franchise, or neither franchise has won a title. But it's just all still new to a lot of those players. So let me ask you that because I know that that's part of your advance that's coming out later on tonight. Is just the that each franchise is going for their first one. When it comes to what they can bring to the court, you always say, who's got that experience? There's only two players, Chelsea and Dewana. But where do you sort of give the advantage when it comes to having that, as Kelsey Plum might say, that dog mentality? Um, that's a great question. I guess I'll give the advantage to Vegas just because your point guard, Chelsea Gray, has won a championship. And that is the most important position on the court as far as experience goes and sort of calming the floor, calming the players down. So advantage Vegas on that. I want to add one thing. I know I talked about Becky Hammond a little bit earlier. We'd be really remiss if you didn't mention what Bill Lambeer did to set this franchise where they are right now. Yeah. I know he stepped aside, which is a big thing, to let Becky be the coach. He built that franchise from scratch. I mean, he brought the team to San Antonio. He was telling me a couple years ago he had, like, buy the athletic tape because they didn't know what to do. Like, all this stuff, buy the basketballs. I mean, he's the architect of where you are right now. Hammond's been the conductor, if we're going metaphors of uh, orchestras. But, like, without Lane Beer and what he put together, this franchise would not be in the finals right now with a chance to win the first one in, in franchise history. Well, and then, and then, and then you, you factor in Mark Davis, and he brings in Becky yep. and agrees to pay her a million bucks, and he's got Nikki Fargus as the president, Natalie Williams as the GM, the marketing division. I mean, it's really been an overhaul. And you're right. I mean, it's an overhaul from the previous regime with Bill, but every step of the way, has, it seems like it's been an overhaul to get to this point. Yeah, no doubt. And Mark Davis, what a great job as an owner stepping in doing what he needs to do to get Becky Hammond as a coach and really supporting the franchise. I mean, he said the other day, someone asked, you know, or where are you going to be Sunday? And he said he was, I believe, going to the Raiders game to open things up, but he'll definitely be at game four if there is one in Connecticut next Sunday instead of going to the Raiders home opener, showing how important this Aces franchise is to him. It's not just a sort of a hobby on the side. I think as Nancy Armour from USA Today put it when yeah. she talked to him, like he's invested in the team. He is a bas- women's basketball fan. He's a fan of this franchise that he bought. He, he is one of the better owners in the, in the WNBA right now. Well, I got, we got one more for you, Doug, before we let you go. Um, because, you know, for the Las Vegas listeners, obviously, I mean, you cover beyond WNBA. You know these ladies when they're young girls, right, when they're recruits, when, 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 when colleges say we got the number one recruit. So for Las Vegas listeners, the two-time now MVP, did you foresee Asia being what she is right now, an immediate icon when you covered her during her college years in the national championship run? So, Willie, if I say yes, it sounds like I'm sort of the bandwagon guy, so to speak, but I really did believe it. Seeing her play at South Carolina, she was the face of that franchise, face of that college. She put South Carolina basketball on the map as far as players go. Don Staley did as the coach, but... Asia Wilson was the face of South Carolina. It was such a, it was also a face for, for college women's basketball at that point. And just you could tell her charisma, her, her 
playing ability. She was the it girl, so to speak, or the it woman, so to speak. And I'm not surprised. I mean, she she is what you want to build a franchise around on and off the basketball court. And she is a heck of a basketball player. She's shown she does it on both ends of the floor right now as a defensive player of the year as well as the MVP. I mean, she is there for years to come. And she is the present and the future of women's basketball. So, yes, I, I saw when she was in college how good she could be at that level, and I thought she'd be translating to the next level, and she's done it. And she's made her game even better, as I said, on the defensive end. So she, she is really a special, special person and a special player. And the Aces, man, you guys are lucky to have her for as long as she wants to play there. That is Doug Feinberg from the AP. So what, can, uh, what you got coming up? you got the advance coming out tonight. Now, are you covering the, the, when the series shifts to Connecticut? I will be there for game three. and I'm actually going to the World Cup in Australia after that. So I will not be there for game four. If there is a fourth game or in the fifth game, I will not be there for it. Okay. And I know USA Basketball is rooting for this to be a sweep because they'd love to have some of these players playing for them in the World Cup, and they're trying to win, I believe, their fifth-in-a-row title so or fourth-in-a-row title. So. Yeah. I am there for game three. I know you'll be there for games one and two. It yep. should be hopefully an exciting series. Yep. It'll be you and me bookending it and whoever else gets it. But uh, great talking to you, Doug. I appreciate you spending some time with us on Cofield and Company. And, uh, of course, I'll be in touch with you in the next couple of days. Sounds good, Willie. Thanks, Adam. All right. Thanks, man. Great stuff, as always. We'll continue. Start talking about football. It's time. The NFL's back. Today's Cofield and Company is presented by Ellis Island Casino, home of Oktoberfest on September 24th from 5 to 8 p.m. With contests, unlimited Ellis Island beer for three hours, souvenir gifts, and Oktoberfest bites. The Bills are way better than the Los Angeles Rams, and that's scary. Like, you can play that game now, you can play that game five weeks from now, you can play that game 10 weeks from now. And even if the Rams get better, I think even if the Rams play at their top tier, if you get Buffalo playing at their top tier, the Rams are not close. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. It is Cofield and Company coming back, breaking down a little of what went on last night in that first NFL game of the season. Uh, we talk about this every year. Do not overreact to week one. Crazy things happen in week one. Go back and look at every year of week one. Some of the wild things that have happened and people start to get carried away. Like, oh, this team's good. This team's bad. This team's terrible. This team's great. And then it totally changes two, three, four weeks down the road. But... I think there is some truth to what happened last night in terms of what it all means. Uh, are the Bills as much better than the Rams as they showed last night? No. Definitely not. The Rams play terribly. It's probably as bad as they're going to be all year. Uh, and they got crushed. And, it, by the way, it's still tied at halftime. The Bills were very sloppy. Thank you very uh, much. Which they have been many times before. And here's the other thing because – it was ridiculous last year, and it's ridiculous again now. What is the storyline coming out of last night's game? The Bills' offense is incredible. And, hey, they were. They were great last night. If I was a member of the Bills' defense, I'd be going in there and probably punching every member of the offense, even though it's not their fault. It's the media's fault. The defense was the number one defense in the NFL last year. They dominated that game last night. They were the best unit on the field. And, again, Bills' offense. Bills offense, Bills offense, Bills offense. 
The reason the Bills are a favorite and should be a favorite to win the Super Bowl, sure, their offense is great. Josh Allen made a lot of plays. It was fun. The defense is incredible. Incredible. They dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides, really on defense, though. And that's, and that's why they dominated the game the way they did. Yes, and the thing is, you, you brought up the point of the um, that it was tied at halftime. But also, the Bills fumbled the ball twice, lost both of them. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't they get picked off twice? They did. So four, four turnovers. turnovers. I, I'm not sure how much the Bills look dominate, dominant because the Rams shot themselves in the foot so many times. I'm, I'm not sold that the Rams looked as bad as they did because of what anything that the Bills did. I'm not saying that they didn't have an impact and they played well at times, but there were certain situations in which the Rams beat themselves. Sure. Does that mean that they could have won the game at the way that the second half went? Eh, probably not. If, you know, if they would have capitalized on specific situations where they, they, they became advantageous, taking over uh, the ball, getting turnovers, doesn't still doesn't mean that they were going to pull away because the Bills played excellently on offense, but the Rams did a really good job of playing a mistake. You know, you, we always talk about a team that played mistake-free football. Well, they played a mistake-filled football game, and, and I and I and I'd have to say that Buffalo won sixty percent of that game, where Los Angeles lost forty percent of that game. Yeah, and, and that the Bills sense. the Bills tried to beat themselves in, in times as well, but they were able to overcome it because they're they're just so good on both sides of the ball. Look, they had more penalties than LA. Sure, the hype was justified this team is very very good but but i also think it, it's overlooked where they are really really good and so much attention on one person is insane uh but i've talked about that over and over again he is playing out of his mind yeah but wait till there wait till there's some lulls because last year we saw it there was a four game stretch where he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league that was last year like people forget that because he's been so good you know down the stretch last year and right now so I think the inconsistency will still show up. I think it's preposterous on every level that they're having him go on designed runs with big leads in the fourth quarter. He's going to get hurt that way. Uh, but for right now, they should absolutely be considered the best team in the league on both sides of the ball. And he's playing well. The defense is great. Like, There's not much to not like about this team right now, although the sloppiness could come back to cost them at some point. Uh, right now, uh, they're just fine. So... Uh, very impressive performance by the Bills. Just the start of a massive, massive weekend uh, that is coming up in the NFL. And the UFC has completely reshuffled their card for tomorrow. We'll get into that Double. later on. What a wild, wild day this was uh, in all, all of Las Vegas sports. Uh, we'll get into continuing that conversation. But next, we're going to get a look at what is going on on the Chargers side of things. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Basically, all of what I see now is what I saw, you know, just at a lower level at Fresno, obviously. So it's a, a lot of the same, you know, just obviously at a much higher level now and much more responsibilities on them, uh, obviously, now than what it was then. But like I said, very consistent dude, and you got to love that out of your quarterback, just knowing what to expect every day. 
You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It is Cofield and Company, Hill and Assembly's edition. Adam Hill and Willie Ramirez here at the Golden Circle inside the Treasure Island. And Willie, you might as well just sleep here. You're going to be back here tomorrow. I, I was I was actually, because we have our boy Brian back here, I was actually going to see if we could work a room into the deal <laughs> for the rest of the contract, and then I could just come here on Fridays, spend the night, and then get up, and then be here for the show on Saturdays. What time? There you go. Easy, Turbo. All Easy, right. Turbo. He All said right. he'll be here, too. He'll snuggle. That's, time out. Sounds bad. Yeah. Uh, what, time, what time is that? 9 to 11 tomorrow. 9 to 11. A big show tomorrow. Big it show. Is. We got – we have – uh, we're going to be covering, obviously, some Aces hoops. We're going to be talking to Joe Reedy, who covers the uh, AP for the Chargers, uh, covers the Chargers for the AP. But Golden Knights fans, we have Keegan Colasar coming on, and we have former Golden Knight Ryan Reeves. That'll be good. I can't wait. I'll be listening as I'm uh, preparing for the UFC card, which is all different than I thought it was going to be uh, tomorrow. But I'll also be preparing to make the drive overnight down to L.A. for the Raiders and Chargers. Cannot wait for the opener. We'll see if it's anything like the last time these two teams took the field at Allegiant Stadium back in January. I'm sure the Chargers hope it is not like that. Uh, but let's look at their perspective. Uh, Born in Nazar, you can follow him on Twitter, at the Hogwatch. Also, I'll listen uh, to the Believe in Chargers podcast with him and Lorenzo Neal. Born, how you doing, man? How you doing, gentlemen? Thanks for having me. We're good. We're excited. Uh, big time weekend of sports in Las Vegas, and then uh, continues down in Southern California with the Raiders and Chargers. How much have the Chargers moved on from that game? I mean, it's it's a tough one to get over. They were knocked out of the playoffs right when they thought they were going to make it. Yeah, it's it's tough. You you heard Justin Herbert even the other day saying he hasn't forgotten. Then you know yeah. the Chargers want some revenge and. No, obviously that game could have went anyway. That was a, an all-time game, and, and as we all discussed. But the Chargers, they, they don't forget about these things. And Justin Herbert, while he may not be the biggest talker on the field, he is one of the biggest competitors, if not the biggest competitor on that team deep inside. So he, he wants revenge. The team wants revenge. Coach Staley wants revenge. And although it's going to be against a different coaching staff for the Raiders, it should be a, a, a great game, a, a great game. And I'm telling you guys again with Justin Herbert, this is a – this is a competitor who, you know, may not be the biggest talker like a Joe Burrow in the world, but, but he wants it more than anyone. You know, you, you bring up Staley. I, I've been doing some reading on, like, threads, right, on Twitter or just comments here and there. There's a lot of people that are still upset in some of the decisions made in that game by Staley. I'm wondering if a lot of the, the, the players, like, are they on board when he makes certain decisions and, like, they, they're supportive or, or do you think that there's some of them be like, man, if this would have went, th- if we would have done this, or are, are there any dissension at all that you know of? Well, you- yeah, you know, it's it, it's a tough question because, you know, on the surface, you know, I'm sure, you know, I don't know specifics, but I'm sure there are players who aren't comfortable and who didn't agree with some of those decisions. I mean, going for it in your inside your own twenty yard line in a winner go home game. I mean, that's that's something that's unheard of. However, you know, you guys can't go to the media and say, I disagreed with Coach Staley there. That's going to tear up your locker room, right? And that's the most important thing, especially going into a year where the Chargers have the utmost highest expectations in the National Football League. They, they, they think that they have a legitimate chance of winning a Super Bowl. So the last thing you want is, is a lack of camaraderie and chemistry. Here's one thing that's common with every successful sports team in any sport is that 
all the championship teams, they've had good team chemistry. Now, there's been different talent levels with those teams, but all of them have had good locker rooms with great chemistry. And that's something that can't be compromised with the Chargers. So, of course, you know, I'll tell you, as a lot of fans were not comfortable with those decisions, but those were the same fans who were celebrating and lauding Brandon Staley for going for it on fourth down when it was working earlier on this season that led the Chargers to a 4-1 start. And those are the same fans who were disappointed with Brandon Staley when they did not convert those fourth downs later in the season. So it's kind of hindsight bias, but listen, I think he's going to tone back his aggression a little bit this season, but he's been pretty stern with staying true to his philosophies, which is we're going to be aggressive. With Justin Herbert on the field, we're going to take our chances to gain 10 yards every four plays with him. So are the people that are upset, whether it be players, fans in particular, you mentioned oh, they love it when it works and they hate it when it doesn't work. Do they just not understand math? <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. it, it it's uh, it, it's tough. I, I, I'll flip it over to y'all. I mean, what, what would you guys say if, if your Raiders were making those kind of decisions like that on a fourth, fourth and two, fourth and three situation inside of 20? I'm sure you wouldn't be okay with it, huh? Oh, I absolutely would be okay with it because uh, it's math and it's the right thing to do. And I scream every day on the show we need to talk about how we discuss these things. When Brandon yeah. Staley goes for it on fourth and three from his own 30, we should be saying he's playing it safe. Not that he's being aggressive because he's doing the right thing, the smart thing, the mathematical thing. You're aggressive if you punt it away because that's the wrong thing to do and it gives you the less chance to win. We just need to change how we talk about these things and it's going to take time. I get it. People have been watching football the wrong way for a long time, so we have to change how they see it and think about it, but this will happen at some point. Yeah, you you make a great point, right? It's really the shift of... Not really people talk about analytics versus analytics, but it's more so about how the narrative is delivered. And I think you make a great point talking about that. Because as you said, mathematically, it makes a lot of sense, especially if you have an offense as talented as theirs and a quarterback as talented as theirs. Now, if we're talking about Tyrod Taylor behind, you know, with all due respect to Tyrod Taylor or some of those lower-run quarterbacks, the National Football League on the right, center. Hold on, on hold on. We, oh, we got to go. You just struck a nerve, boy. We got to go. We're done. It. We're done with the conversation. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, Tara Taylor happens to be my favorite player in NFL history. Uh, so, so you are you are barking up the wrong truth that one. But no, I, I get I get the point. And listen, if you listen to Brandon Staley, and I know I wish he wouldn't have backed off this because he did a little bit, but he has given the indication that they go into a game and they do all of the calculations pre-game in terms of weather, quarterback matchup, offensive line matchup, defensive like they It's not like they're just willy-nilly throwing it out there and going for it. They have mathematical formulas constructed for all this. He does the right thing. Uh, I, I just, again, I wish people would, talk, would stop talking about uh, the way that they talk about it and saying he's crazy or whatever. Um, he's doing the right thing, and eventually that's how football will be. So I like that. Uh, but we can move on. It, it's we're preaching to the choir on this one because I, I will I will forever be a devoted Brandon Staley uh, fan for how he <laughs> handles the games. A yeah. uh, lot of additions in the off season for the Chargers, but one looks like he's not going. J.C. Jackson not on the field. How big is that for the pass defense? Oh, it's a, it's a huge loss. Now Brandon Staley said a few hours ago that he is a game time decision. Obviously had some work done to his ankle. It's looking like it's probably going to be a no go for the Chargers. One of their biggest free agent pickups. Listen, it's, it's a huge loss. I mean, he has one of the highest shadow rates in the National Football League at about 60%. He's going to travel with any best receiver, so obviously Devontae Adams with the Raiders. And listen, the Chargers have a strong secondary, but they don't have a ton of depth in their secondary, especially guys who can cover 
guys like Devontae Adams. I mean, who are they going to put on Devontae now? Is it going to be Bryce Callahan, who's more of a slot corner? Asante Samuel Jr., who's emerging as a second-year corner? Michael Davis, who's coming off a, a bad year? J.C. Jackson, the reason the Chargers paid this guy so much money was for moments like this. To face the J.C., excuse me, to face the Devontae Adams of the world, right? That's why you paid him. So to lose him, I think it, it completely changes the complexion of this game. You have somebody like Derwin James who could cover someone like Devontae Adams, but not every down. Derwin's more of a queen chess piece. You're going to play him high. You're going to play him low. He's sometimes going to rush the passer, play in the middle as a linebacker. So, you know, not having your best press cover, man-to-man corner in J.C. Jackson, it, it, it hurts because the Raiders have pretty good depth at that position. I mean, Hunter Renfro is, is looking to, you know, continue where he left off at the end of last year. You have one of the best tight ends in the game of Darren Waller, who probably Derwin's going to see a lot of. That's probably where Derwin's going to spend most of his time. So that kind of eliminates Derwin from the fold. So, listen, losing J.C. Jackson, is, uh, it, it, it truly is a game-changing loss for the Chargers. Speaking to Borna Nazari. Make sure you check him out at the Hog Watch, and his cover photo, by the way, is fantastic because it's a it's a hog in an old school Padre logo type uniform, which I actually I actually dig. So uh, make sure you follow Borna. So let me ask you this: You're talking about defense. Um, you would think, right? And I think the total is around 52 here in Las Vegas. That it could be a high scoring game, considering Herbert. You got Carr. You got all these weapons now. But man. You got Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on one side. You got Chandler Jones and Max Crosby on the other. You somewhat have a blueprint from the end of the last season with the regular, uh, the last regular season game. And I know it's a different coaching staff with a different offensive system. But could we be in store from a def- for a defensive tussle? You know, I, I think it's arguable. I I really do think though that. From from a Chargers perspective, I, I don't I don't think the Raiders' defense is, is strong enough, specifically in that secondary, to really hold that, that that Chargers pass game down. Now, you guys again have great pass rushers, but the Chargers really spent a, a lot of time, effort, money into really shoring up that offensive line. They signed Corey Lindsley a few years back. They have Rashawn Slater, who was an All-Pro left tackle and the second best left tackle in the game last year, behind uh, you know Trent in, in San Francisco. So. The Chargers have really beefed up their line. I really think they can kind of hold down. You know, it's hard to eliminate that Raiders pass rush, but I think they can mitigate it a bit. I really think Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen and company can, can, can dice through that Raiders secondary. And on the flip side of the ball, listen, the, the, one of the biggest question marks with, with this Raider team is the offensive line. And, and, and will it be able to hold up? And, you know, I think the Chargers have one of the best pass rush combos, as you guys were talking about in the league, and Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. And, Listen, this is why the Chargers gave up a second-round pick to trade for a, a veteran superstar who's on the wrong side of 30. This is something that general manager Tom Telesco has never done in his tenure. He's never traded a second-round pick, let alone for a superstar in his 30s who has had some injury problems in the past. So he made this move. He's going all in. I think it could be a defensive game, but I think if it's going to be a close game, I think it's going to be more of a high-scoring game because I don't see a world where this Chargers offense gets shut out and really slowed down. There you go. Borna Nazari, check him out on Twitter, at the Hogwatch. Listen to the Believe in Chargers podcast with Borna and Lorenzo Neal. We thank you, and uh, good thing we didn't even get started on going for two uh, when you scored down 14, which is such an obvious move, and Brandon Staley will do it. We'll see if Josh McDaniels will. Thanks, man. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Borna. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. Come back. Keep things going from the Golden Circle at TI.